0: The victory of God means the defeat of the ego. The defeat of all egocentric narratives. God does not become victorious through some effort. God is always, already victorious. But that victory is only recognized when the ego's helplessness and the futility of establishing the reality of any ego is recognized. It is at the fall of the ego that the victory of God is realized. It is this paradox that is most difficult to integrate. So long as the ego becomes the, or remains the frame of reference of thought, then the reality of God will not be recognized or surrendered to. But God will remain as a bit player in one's scenario. It is when all of the machinations of the ego fail, when all of its knowledge proves inadequate, that we turn to God as a last resort and recognize that the ego cannot do it. It is when the ego's lack cannot be denied and that lack is the ego itself that we finally enter into the lack and recognize it as emptiness. And the ego's own web of thoughts as being built upon a void and that all of its imaginary attempts to gain mastery in the world are based on delusion. It's this that brings humility. It's this that brings the recognition that no matter how much the ego knows, whether it's knowledge of how to live and how to be healthy or how to be rich and famous or how to be great at some art form or whatever, it is all futility and a trying to catch the wind. And it's in the letting go of that illusory victory, for at best a perishable body that cannot sustain itself in stability because of its own inherent destabilized nature, depending upon the elements, depending upon the other, depending upon too many factors ever to have anything like control. Not even control of its own mind. Not even a stability in its own narratives. Not even a stable identity that goes through its various scenarios. Not even for most postmodern egos, a stable gender that goes through its own desires. The object of desire cannot remain consistent, let alone the subject. And so it is through this inherent chaotic nature of the frame of reference of the ego that it suffers one defeat after another. But usually, even after its defeat, it goes on and attempts to turn that defeat into a new victory and never recognizes the necessity for humility and surrender until its vital powers of survival themselves, become inadequate to coping with the challenges of existence. The self is pure presence that has no necessary identification with the physical organism that the ego is identified with. The presence that is the self does not require the existence of the body and has no interest in whether the body lives or dies. The self has no inherent bias toward the ego or against it. The ego is simply an object that appears and disappears. Because the self is omnicentric, it has no tie to any particular center of consciousness. All are equal, all are the same, all are manifestations of the one self. There is no favoritism. And there is no desire. And there is no need to have anything in order to achieve satisfaction. Nor is there anything that can be possessed. Presence is all there is. And the illusion that there are things, including an egoic identity, is already. Alienation from truth. So Sri Ramana often uses metaphors like we, we love to read the newspaper but no one is interested in the paper. They're interested only in the print and not even in the print but what they imagine the print signifies. People are only interested in the signifier not in the substance. And so we take the presence upon which the ego's signifiers are presented for granted and are interested only in the signifiers, and build our lives creating narratives of signifiers. When they are erased even before they are written in our minds, they cannot be held constant, but the presence itself is forgotten and repressed. At a certain moment, when the futility of the effort to inscribe a self upon sheer presence is recognized as impossible. That is when awakening begins. Many people, when you work with them in sessions, they say, ah, these sanskaras are ingrained, I can't change them. As if there is some grain, as if we are woodworkers here, and the ego is made out of something. What kind of grain is there in nothingness? The ego wants to believe its sanskaras are ingrained and cannot be changed, because that means the ego really exists. But that ingrained idea is a pure illusion. Nothing can be ingrained in an ego that itself is not real. And so everything can be changed in the twinkling of an eye, but that would require the recognition that the ego itself is only the twinkling of an idea and has no reality outside of the consciousness in which it occurs. And that consciousness of the real self has no interest in sustaining any particular idea, including that of what you think you are. And so egos aren't even fish in the sea of consciousness. They're just momentary waves that come and go. And it's only the ocean of consciousness itself that has any reality. And so the question is really are we ready and able to stop identifying with a wave that will inevitably crash and dissolve back into the ocean anyway. But to approach that end of the wave's illusory existence with terror, with anxiety, with a sense of lostness, Or will there be a choice to recognize that the ocean is all there ever was? There really are no waves, in the same way that there are no mirages. The ocean may seem to be in constant motion, but it's not moving at all. And the waves that move cannot long be maintained in any particularity of identity. And we think that the waves move, but actually the molecules of water that make up those waves don't really move at all. And when we analyze the waves more and more deeply, we see that they have nothing to do with the substance of the water at all. And so when we ask the question, what am I, more and more deeply, deeper than mind, deeper than any narrative, deeper than any biographical illusions, biological identifications, or even spiritual aspirations, beyond any of those Physical or metaphysical mirages. What is there? What is real? The real does not pertain to anyone. There is not anyone. all of the value that we have put, even whether it is a positive or a negative value, but the entire concentration on the well-being or the improvement or the becoming worthy of an ego is all a waste of our effort and our lives. which go to support or to attack an illusory object or to project that love and hate on other illusory objects. And all there is is presence that is free of both love and hate. We say that God is love, but what kind of love is it when there is no object of love and no subject either? And yet, when The desire to focus on an ego narrative is finally let go. The power of the presence of the self is overwhelming. And the reality of grace and of bliss instantaneously makes up for all of the loss that the ego feared would happen in the renunciation of its own delusional existence. And it recognizes in the moment of its own dissolution, in that very same twinkling of the eye, the real eye, that all of its anxieties, its dread, its terror of death were also completely illusory and based on a complete misunderstanding of reality. Nothing can ever be lost and nothing is ever gained. perfect. And you are that, Om Tat Sat. And this final mantra that we say is the important thing to remember. You are that, not this, not an I, but that which is beyond all understanding, all localization, all identification, you are that and that is all there is. Peace is your nature, peace is your other. your destiny